Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glicksman alongside my tag team partner, Matt Story. And I hope you're ready because we're ready. That's right. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of ground. Um, So we blew off this weekend's podcast. And by we, I mean I blew it off. Uh, But we have to still process the poor Sun Devil weekend that has led to a horrible start to the U of A's week. Uh, (laughs) And then... Other news and notes, NFL previews, we got a lot. But, Matt, let's start uh, chronologically with the Sun Bowl and the farewell from Todd Graham with the Sun Devils giving up 50-plus points again. Um, yeah. Oddly fitting, as you said. It was, and, and you know, 50-plus uh, points, and gosh, it felt like it could have been worse. I mean, North Carolina State's first drive, they were in the red zone, decided to go for a fake field goal. He came up, you know, inches short of getting that. Um, uh, you know, had had uh, a couple other special teams mistakes that kind of kind of kept the game in touch. Um, you know, it, it uh, we we kind of found an offensive rhythm in the second half, but it was too late, and and the defense couldn't couldn't get stops to really you know get back in the game. So, yeah, um, you know, it was a game that didn't mean much, as we said beforehand, and. Uh, so I, I certainly am not going to, you know, lose any sleep over it. But it was about the performance I expected. Not bad, but just not good enough. Yeah, I really <laughs> thought the defense would rally. I thought that you would see big time efforts from DJ Calhoun, Tayshawn Smallwood, yeah. and you did. But NC State was just better. They're better prepared. We were yeah. we were outclassed yeah. and. And it's too bad, and it's the rebuilding project's just going to get worse for uh, the new leadership model because yeah. uh, JoJo Wicker announced he's leaving. I haven't seen if Christian Sam has officially declared or not, but there's a lot of speculation that he's gone, um, and that's on top of losing Smallwood and Calhoun. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, you know, it, it was uh, – yeah, I think I agree with your sentiment. I mean, NC State was just better, and that's what I thought going in, and you know, you never know, as we talked about leading up to it, how a how a team like NC State, which you know for much of the year had bigger and better plans than going to the Sun Bowl, how would they come out and play? Well, they came out and played well, and with that, really, a, you know, kind of the the game was decided when you know we needed them to kind of struggle and and look like they didn't want to be there, and that just it didn't look that way. Um, they played well. Give give them credit. You know, I don't think ASU played poorly, um, all you know, terribly, I should say. Just uh, you know, some not having Christian Sam on defense. We saw last year how much that hurt, and certainly not having him in that game hurt. Um, and and you know, it just wasn't enough. The offense was sluggish for most of the game. Like I said, got going late, but it was just too late. We, you know, the hole was too big. And and yeah, you're right. I mean, that's the that's going to be a you know a subplot, obviously, of next year is, you know, a defense that, that made some gains now loses a, a lot of their key personnel. So how do you replace all that? One thing that uh, I saw today right before we started recording, um, obviously this is uh, right after Josh Rosen and Sam Darnold both yeah. declared and dove into the draft. But with them gone and Falk leaving, Manny will have the most passing yards of wow. – uh, of anybody returning, which I, I thought was Gosh. surprising with Jake Browning, but they do run the ball a lot in Washington. They do, they do. And Jake Browning honestly did not have a great season this year. Um, you know, they they uh, 
they struggled, you know, to ever really get a lot of offensive rhythm going. Um, you know, had some games where they won big, but it was mostly because they got up and forced turnovers and um, wasn't his best year. You know, they, they lost some personnel from the year before. Um, that's that's kind of surprising, though. I still would have thought he had more career passing yards. But, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Manny Wilkins becomes, you know, at the very least the dean of, of Pac-12 South quarterbacks, I guess, um, with, you know, USC, UCLA, uh, replacing, I guess, you know, Utah brings back Tyler Huntley, who started most of this year, but he was a freshman. Uh, Arizona brings back Tate, who started, you know, two-thirds of this year. And then, you know, Colorado, I don't know, is Montez gone? I'm not sure if he's uh, I believe he Montez, a senior or not. I believe Montez is gone. Yeah, I thought so. So, um, even so, obviously just a one-year starter. So, yeah, I mean, you know, Manny is the, the guy with the most experience being a two-year starter most of – 2016, all of 2017, and um, he, you know, there'll be some some pressure on him. Um, some of it, you know, I don't want to say self-enforced, but but you know, by the expectations that the program has put out there, um, you know, we, as we've talked about, calling him a you know wonderful quarterback and and going on about his virtues, and well, if people are going to expect him to be up to that, we will see if he is. Yeah. It's uh, it's gonna be interesting next year. I, yeah. I've I've been. It is the main talking point of people who know I'm an ASU person who have like a vague following of sports. Right. Is to talk about how great Bobby Hurley is, and then say that's got to make you feel good considering Herm Edwards in the state of the football program. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I um, have noticed the same thing, you know, and. Um, uh, you and I have talked about this many times, obviously, in the last month. But you know, I went to the went to the Fiesta Bowl and wasn't really a fan of Washington or Penn State, so I just you know wore my ASU gear to kind of stay neutral. And uh, I barely walk in the stadium, and guy comes up and you know, oh, I wish they had won one more for Todd. And we we're talking a little bit. We both kind of you know came to the conclusion that like, yeah, you know, it might have been time to move on, but boy, it's hard to feel real confident about where things are going and, and you know that's the feeling I have it's like maybe it was time to move on from Todd Graham but don't feel as confident in that as I thought I might have given who was selected to replace him um, but you know we will we will see as I've said all along uh, you know the, the ultimate verdict will be based on the results and nobody will remember having ridiculed this if he does well yeah um, I think the big concern now moving forward is filling out the coaching staff. Obviously, recruiting is a you know dumpster fire at this point, but you know maybe they can pull a couple local kids who've decommitted recently and salvage this class on some level. But yeah, you know the the one thing I will say before we leave the Sun Bowl altogether, Nikhil Harry is just so good. Yeah, he is. He really is. Yeah, I mean, you would, uh, you know, you never know, um, uh, but, you know, certainly you could project out and see that he could, you know, easily be a first-round pick next year um, with his, you know, skill, ability, and uh, speed, size, you know, ability to catch the ball. Uh, I mean, he's, he's got it all, you know. Now, we, we thought pretty much his entire career that Jalen Strong would be a first-round pick, other things seemed to pop up after his college career ended that pushed him down the board a bit. Um, and so you never know. I always hate to say, oh, he's a first-rounder slam dunk. He's, he's not. But, 
um, really good player. And, and, you know, certainly when we talk about, you know, the offense or the defense, I should say, having a lot to replace, the offense shouldn't have much to replace. I mean, I believe you get nine out of 11 starters back. Yeah, you lose the you lose the two running backs. You lose the center McCollum, and uh, but that's it. Um, you know, you you've got a quarterback. You've got the receivers. The entire receiving core is back. Tight ends are back. Uh, so, I mean, the offense should be pretty good. You you would hope, and probably will need to be. You know, let's now talk about the second uh, and and slightly less bad. From just objective, not how you personally feel about losing yeah. U of A, but objectively, the less bad loss of the weekend for ASU, which is uh, the men's team going down to Tucson, uh, dropping a game at McHale by six. Yeah. And, you know, considering how little they got from Shannon Evans and how right. little they got from Romello White and the fact that Kamani Lawrence is still not played yet. Right. I feel really good about where this team is. Not bad, no. I mean, yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, there's there's no moral victories. Um, you know, it wasn't that, but yeah, this this um, you know it was disastrous. Um, they they went down there. They played well. They were in the game till the very end. And as I've said all along, you know, you're not going thirty and zero. You're going to lose some games. It won't be the only game they lose. Um, and and so you know, you just you kind of just have to accept that fate a little bit. I mean, am I disappointed they lost? Sure. I, I wanted them to win. They had a chance to win. Um, but, you know, being realistic, they're not going to win every single game. And you just hope that in the games that you lose, you can come out of it, first of all, saying, well, you you know, you didn't get trounced. You didn't look crappy. Um, and, and there's room to improve the next time you face that team. And I think you could say that, too. So, um, you know, it's it's not a great feeling, but it's not a terrible feeling. I mean, you know, it's a loss. It sucks. Uh, we were the the very last uh, Division One team to feel that way this year, and that's pretty cool. You know, there's there's something to be said for that. Oh yeah. Um, I my takeaway from watching the game is that Romello White is good. I mean, we've talked about it before. He's sure. good, and he's better than what we've had as a big since, at least for a college big, Pendergraph, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, maybe Bashinsky, but... Yeah. Romello White's 6'9", and I think it's a legit 6'9", you know, uh-huh. 260, 270, and DeAndre Ayton made him look like a high school freshman. He, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, he's, he's, a, he's know, a, freak. a top five draft pick for a reason. You know, and, and that's a matchup that, quite honestly, we're, you know, we're not going to win. Uh, I mean, you know, that's that's the way it is. Um, most teams that face Arizona will not. But you have to be able to beat them in other ways. And we, we did. We just didn't beat them quite enough ways. Um, but, you know, that's one of those things. You just you kind of go in knowing this guy's he's really good. He's going to get his. And you just have to find ways to get yours. And. You know, there was there was some success in that department, just not enough. Yeah, I, I was proud of the effort, especially in the second half, that they made to box him out and to, yeah, um, you know, really try to not on the offensive glass, but really try to at least take control on the defensive end. And, and I think they did that. I think that's what let ASU stick around, although they could never yeah. quite climb all the way back in. They couldn't. They couldn't. But. But it was, um, you know, it was a game that 
I mean, you know, I said it before the game, you know, it was, it was just one game, just, you know, one win or one loss. There were 17 more to go after that. And that's still how I feel. And now you've got to, you know, you turn your focus now to a, a significant road weekend, um, in which they have, you know, historically struggled now, granted haven't been as good. Uh, but you know, I, I saw Haller tweeted earlier today, I believe since the, you know, since the expansion that road trip, I think ASU was one and nine, yeah. and the one win was in overtime. Um, you know, it's it's tough, and Utah got off to a good start. York Bulls on the road, um, so those are you know those are not easy games. You have to, you know, I think at the very least feel like you got to come away with one. If you're, you know, we're we're no longer looking at it from the vantage point of oh well, let's just try to finish middle of the pack. No, if you're gonna. If you're going to, you know, stay in and try to win the conference, you've got to get at least one. You can't start over three. That's that's a bad hole to come out of. So, you know, if you could come out of it two and one, all the better. One and two, you know, keeps you alive because you do have nine of the last 15 at home. Yeah. And, you know, the team is saying all of the right things. You know, it helps when you have three senior leaders. Um, sure. Who are savvy on the court, but media savvy as well. You yeah, know, the things Trey Holder was saying about, you know, this was a productive game and we learned yeah. some things. And, you know, I, I think for the future, what's really nice and what gives me confidence is when these three guys are gone, that Remy Martin has, you know, played Xavier on a neutral site, played at right. Kansas, played at Arizona and, and been a significant contributor in right. all of those right. games. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what you, you know, that's what you hope for, obviously, is to be able to have guys to pass the torch to and when those three guys move on that's that's college sports you don't keep guys forever you don't get guys for you know 10 12 years like you do in the pros you have to move on and and have other guys pick up the mantle and and hopefully you know we've got a few who could do that he's certainly one um but yeah you know i'm i'm not i'm not uh at all discouraged you know um if you're gonna lose a game uh losing in a in a competitive game on the road to a fellow top 25 team all in all, not terrible, you know, because it's Arizona, because we were undefeated, it stings a little bit more, but you know, you, you just move on and you, you know, you go on to the next ones, which now matter even more, as I said, before the game and that, that was before win or loss, this was only game one out of 18. It wasn't going to decide the season. Yeah. Now, ASU athletics had a rough weekend. They had a loss in a bowl game. They lost to their rival in basketball. But you know what they didn't do, Matt? They didn't wind up in uh, the front page of all of the national media right. and local media for horrible accusations against the now former football coach. Yeah. Um, they're not the subject of an FBI investigation into illegal recruiting and tampering, which the logis- the legalities of it will, you know, right. will skip. But if nothing else, a distraction like that. But you know yeah. who is? The Arizona Wildcats. Yes, they are. Yeah, yeah. Uh, an interesting night last night as, as, you know, word spread that, uh, you know, they were considering whether to fire Rich Rodriguez quickly turned into he was fired, which turned into, you know, all the details of the claims coming out today. Um, yeah, you know, at, at the end of the day, as I texted you this morning, it's the result we all expected at the start of the year. Um, four months ago, everybody had Todd Graham and Rich Rodriguez in their last year, and 
that turned out to be the case. Didn't quite happen the way maybe either one expected. Graham was a little bit more conventional, um, but they did have a better year than people expected. Arizona did too. But nonetheless, uh, they both move on from their coaches and end up maybe where everyone expected. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely interesting, you know, the sordid details that have yeah. come out from the uh, from the notice of claim that was right. filed are bad. Um, you know, the personal life stuff, the tawdry stuff, that's what's getting the attention. Sure. One of the things I saw that got a little traction was the uh, the former player who died from a painkiller overdose and the allegation that it was raised to Rodriguez the day before mm-hmm. and he chose to not act on it. Yeah. I, I think that's yeah. the one that, that will eventually become the big story. Um, Good thing. Good thing. But, yeah. you know, the one thing that I wanted to touch on with you is – the guy who's not there, and I and I yeah. like him. I, I like him as a person. I thought he was a good guy. The, the couple times I've met him uh, is the former athletic director Greg Byrne, who is now at Alabama. Yeah, and and much of this allegedly happened on his watch. Right. Um, right. But he's gone now. He's at a, a different place and a more lucrative place. Do yes. you, Do you think? that the NCAA has the interest or the inclination to chase him down the way that sometimes former coaches get chased yeah, down? Yeah, you know, that's a, I mean, you haven't really seen that. Um, and so probably not. I mean, there's not really precedent for that that I can think of, um, you know, of, a, of an AD kind of getting hit with uh, any sort of penalties or sanctions or whatever from what happened at his previous school. Generally, it's the school that gets punished, maybe the coach, um, and that's it, you know. Um, I don't know, you know, uh, there's there's some troubling, I guess, if you want to use that word, um, you know, details out there about things that happened under his watch. Uh, now, you know, does that, does that mean that he is directly at fault for them? Probably not, but, you know, when you're the, when you're the head honcho, you have to you know, bear the responsibility. Same thing we do to coaches, you know, and a lot of times, you know, coaches end up taking the fall for something that, you know, they probably didn't directly do, but look, it's their program. They're supposed to know about it. Um, so I don't know, you know, it, it will be interesting, but I guess ultimately I would guess probably not. I think he's probably moved on to greener pastures, uh, you know, in a figurative sense at least. And, uh, and, you know, we'll, we'll just kind of skate by on this one. Um, the only other thing, and this is where I will get gripey Homerism ASU fan, because um, I've, I've seen it in ASU Twitter. There was a report that came out that Arizona's athletic office knew about this issue a week ago, or, yeah. or got the claim a week ago, and that they had, or they got the claim a week ago. They had notice of it well in advance. Um, and they decide to let him coach the bowl game and to keep uh-huh. the staff intact through signing day on the yeah. early signing yeah. period to lock kids in before making this move. Um, that is cold, if that is it what is. happened. It is, yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, <laughs> one would think that if you're a player, you know, you could you – could, make a case to get out of that letter of intent. I mean, they usually do that when a coach gets fired. I don't know how much of that, you know, cooperation has to come from the school, but, um, you know, now that, now that your staff, your head coach and maybe more are gone, you know, it would, it would stand to reason that, 
maybe you uh, you know could get them out of that. I'm not sure. I don't know. Um, you know, it, it will be interesting to see if there is some you know ramifications to that. You think there would be? Yeah, I'm surprised that there isn't, to be quite honest. But I guess I don't know what it is that you could do. Um, that clearly the decision makers were aware of this issue. Yeah. Um, so I'm not sure what you say really to, to fix it. Um, I don't know. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's, it, it feels icky, I guess, for it lack does. of a better fit. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. No, it's the it smarmy, does. it's the smarmy side of college athletics and oh, it's yeah. kind of all oh, yeah. playing out at once. Yeah. 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 I mean, uh, I don't know. It, it, uh, you know, really caught me by surprise last night when I read it. Obviously I think it did for most people. Um, you know, just kind of came out of the blue. Um, and, and then, like I said, it happened real fast. I mean, it, it went from, you know, reports to, you know, being a done deal within like 90 minutes, it seemed like. So obviously they did know about it prior to that. We know that. Um, and, you know, didn't make the decision that fast. Just kind of that's the timetable the public got to see. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. You know, interesting, but uh, certainly kind of a, you know, ignominious end for a guy who boy 10 10 or so years ago he was uh you know the, the guy who was going to get the alabama job uh, they offered it to him he accepted it and then changed his mind at the last minute how things have changed in those 10 or 11 years since then yeah uh we're gonna pivot now to a, a new topic but before we do i would be remiss if i didn't mention that greg powell clinched the bull pickham uh and Pat clinched last. So, yes. um, you know, Greg Greg had the win before we got to the college football playoff games. But what did you think of the games? You attended one, uh, the better oh, one. <laughs> oh, God, what a game. Uh, uh, just unbelievable. Um, couldn't have gotten a better game to go to. I mean, you, you dream about going to a Rose Bowl like that, that, you know, has that sort of drama, that sort of tension. Um, and wow, what a great game, uh, just, you know, back and forth, um, swings of emotion, the, the tension among the stands and then just that, that atmosphere is so cool to look around and see that entire place completely full and you can't find an empty seat. Um, it's just, just really, really cool. And, you know, every, everything I wanted it to be. I mean, the game started off rocky. You had Oklahoma you know, coasting out to a big lead. Yeah. And, and really the the little momentum shift was the botched squib right, kick at the end of the, end of the yeah, half. Yeah, yeah, because when they score, you know, I was clearly for Georgia, you know, I'll establish that. Um, they score to go up 31-14, and they're getting the ball to start the half. And I think they'd only, you know, punted one time in the entire first half, one field goal that they had to settle for, one punt, that's it. Um you know, it just felt like things were about to get away because, look, George is not a team you'd expect to be able to come back from a big deficit. They're they're not built that way. You know, they're a running the ball kind of team, play defense, just was not going their way. And, yeah, to get those three points before the half and then to come out and force the three and out, I mean, that was equally as big because then that gets you the ball, you get a good punt return, you get a one-play touchdown drive when Nick Chubb, you know, takes a five-yard run and turns it into 50. And all of a sudden, the whole game, you know, within within the span of about four minutes of actual game time, 
from end of first half to start of second. It's a seven point game. You're thinking, oh, this is this is there and and then that whole second half was just tremendous drama. I mean, every play felt tense, every drive felt like it could swing the game. Uh, you know, you, you just couldn't ask for more as far as entertainment value. And and Sony Michelle, uh, what a performance. Both of those backs, so good. Um, yeah, yeah, really, really good. Um, and, uh, you know, I have to give, um, I mean, you know I like Jacob Eason. I've joked all year about, you know, Jacob Eason should be the starter. Didn't really believe it. Jake Fromm's really good. Um, you know, he, he didn't set records, obviously. You know, they had a lot around him. But the drive there when they were down by seven, um, to you know, to go down the field, to make plays, a couple third down conversions that were – you know, were difficult plays, and and he was impressive. And some of his recognition too, the touchdown that tied the game in the third quarter, he made the adjustment at the line and got the ball to Sony Michelle, who broke through when nobody was there. He saw something and got them into that play. So uh, very impressed for a you know true freshman to look as good as he did. On the flip side, Alabama <laughs> won the uh, third of three between, yeah. with, with Clemson. Um, which was not nearly as exciting as the first two. No, just just kind of a workmanlike victory. Yeah, yeah, it was it was going to be really hard to live up to what happened in the first game. Um, from my experience, you know, I, I didn't see any of the first half. I was checking the score, um, but you know, I was waiting to get out of the stadium, and, and it, it just was really hard for me to, to care. Um, I mean, I had spent so much energy into that first game and. So much emotion up and down, um, and, and you know, then it was it was ten to six. Right, right as I was getting ready to leave the stadium, finally, I saw it was ten six. Clemson was driving, and I thought, you know, they maybe go ahead. And they threw the interception, and then Alabama scored pretty quick. And then the next, you know, I think the first play of their next drive, interception return for a score. And at that point, the game was pretty much decided. Nick Saban has never lost to a former assistant coach. Yeah. Um, He's going to play probably his best former assistant in Kirby Smart. Yeah. Do you have a prediction now? Granted, Nick Saban would tell you that you should have an extra day to make this prediction. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Um, Yeah, typical Nick Saban. Um, uh, You know, it's going to be a very different game than the Rose Bowl. I think that's fair to say. I mean, Oklahoma's offense is really, really good. Uh, their defense is not, and Alabama is the opposite team. They have a really, really good defense, and their offense isn't that good. Um, and and so it's it's going to be a much different style of game for Georgia to have to win. They are not going to be able to run the ball. You know, you're not getting 300 yards out of Michelle and Chubb. That just ain't going to happen. Um, and so it's you know there's going to be some pressure. I just gave a lot of praise to Jake Fromm. There's going to be a lot of pressure on him. He's going to have to make plays. And they're going to have to play better defense, which I think they will. Again, you're not facing anywhere near the kind of offense that Oklahoma brings. Um, But they're going to have to be better on defense to have a chance to win. I will say this. If they get 300 yards combined from Michelle and Chubb, Georgia's going to win that game. They'll win the game. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just – that's just not going to happen, though. I mean, Alabama's a much better defense. Oklahoma is not. I mean, Oklahoma is a – Great offensive team. Um, I am not a fan of Baker Mayfield, but got to give credit where it's due. He's a really good college quarterback. Not so sure about all this NFL love for him. We'll talk about that probably more as we get closer to April. Um, but 
got really, really good in college. They run the ball. They have a good offensive line. I mean, they, and their tempo is just so hard to keep up with. I mean, that's the first quarter just felt like, you know, Georgia was three steps too slow. Um, Alabama doesn't do that. So it, it will be a completely different style of game if Georgia's going to win. Yeah, it, it's, it's going to be interesting because Georgia – you know, when it's going well, you say Georgia can play any style. They can play hard defense and, and grind it out. They can play up-tempo and, and keep up with anybody. And that's the positive spin. The, the yeah. alternative, if you don't think Georgia's going to win, is you're going to say, wow, teams really can impose their will on Georgia and make them play whatever yeah. style. Yeah, I mean, the concern for me is a game a little bit like what happened to them in their only loss, where they get down by a couple scores in the first half. And they can't run the ball to make up that deficit, which is what they did against Oklahoma. You know, they, they Fromm played well, but you know, the, as I said, you know, the first drive they're down 14. First drive, one play, 50 yard run. Second drive, Fromm made a couple nice throws, but the big play was a 37 yard touchdown run. That's not likely to happen against Alabama. So if you fall behind by 10 or 14 points. Can they throw it successfully enough to come back? I kind of doubt it. I feel like it's a game they've got to, they've got to, you know, take an early lead and then let their defense kind of carry them, and and then see if you can run the ball and, you know, but to come from behind on them by you know going heavy on the run game, I don't think it's going to work. I pick Alabama every year to win the national title. I I'm going to pick Alabama to win the national title this year. Um. So that's where I'm going. I'm sticking with yeah. that, and I'm taking Alabama. I think it's going to be a good game. I think it's going to be fun. I'm not. I'm, I'm so. not a hater of the All SEC matchup this year. No, I, I'm not a hater of it. Um, I mean, I'm not a hater of the SEC. You know, I, I like SEC programs. I, um, I, I just, I don't know. There's, there's sort of a, a, a sort of a hollow feeling for me, and, and maybe it's just because of how great that Rose Bowl was, but. As soon as that game ended and the uh, the elation of that, and I kind of felt like ah, there's another one, um, and, and and I don't know, it's just it's hard for me to get up for this because I don't know how much Georgia's got left in the tank. Um, I want to believe they can win, but I'm not feeling great about it. Do you think either of these teams would have a chance against Central Florida, like a chance to beat Central Florida? Yeah, I think Central Florida would have a chance to beat either one of them. If you're asking me legitimately, do I think that they would absolutely beat them? No, but I think that they could because why not? I mean, again, um, the only loss that Georgia and the only loss that Alabama have this year is to Auburn, who just lost to Central Florida. So we're not, you know, I know people joke around and they do those things, you know, this team beat this team and this team. So therefore, you know, Florida Atlantic is the best team in the country. We're not really doing that. I mean, you don't have to stretch too far to see that Central Florida is on par with these teams. Well, they and that's the thing one. is, no one beat them. That, right. That's right. that's you the know, thing that they can point to is, you know, when you do those fun games, like you can draw, you know, right. ASU beat Washington, Washington beat so and so, but you <laughs> don't, you ASU can't. Is better than Alabama, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it's it's a you know, it's a fun you know thing, but it means nothing. But yeah, in this particular case, this team is the only team in the country that did not lose a game all year. Um, just beat, you know, a team that was one win away from making the playoffs. I mean, if Auburn had won the SEC title game, they would have been in the playoffs. Now, can you argue, you know, well, did Auburn really want to be there? You know, did they play their best? Eh, okay, no, they probably didn't. But nonetheless, 
you know, they were a team that was very to the very end in the playoff mix going to the playoff if they had beaten Georgia in the SEC title game. And they got beat by UCF. So should UCF have gotten a chance to play for the title? Eh, maybe. Uh, you know, now, would you rank them above these four? Probably not. But, you know, could you certainly make the argument this is why we should have more than four? Yeah, you probably can. Now, I'm not sold on that, but, I, you know, I can see why people would buy it. I, I just, you know, I think it's one of those things, had they lost – it would have been so much easier, you know? Yeah, oh, without a doubt. No question. Yeah, if they, if they lose to Auburn, then it's, uh, that was a nice little story, and yeah, that's great. You know, pat on the head, good job, and, and then you move on. Uh, but yeah, when, when they win, and they beat the team that beat, you know, the two teams in the title game, it's pretty, you know, easy if you want to kind of, you know, be a rabble-rouser to say, hey, wait a minute, why isn't this team in the, in the picture? Um, and you know, it's it's hard to argue against. I, you know, I hear the argument of, well, they scheduled, they're in a conference. What do you want them to do? I mean, this is the conference they're in. Uh, and, and I don't see the SEC or the ACC banging down the doors to get right, them in. Right. That's always another thing. You know, whenever you hear that, well, somebody has to schedule those teams or let them in. Yeah, I mean, let them in their conference or be willing to schedule. You know, is it their fault? They scheduled them got wiped out because of the hurricane. Did get rescheduled. Um, now, Georgia Tech wasn't a great team, but it would have been a win over an ACC team. Maybe that would have carried a little more weight. I don't know. Um, you know, the American, I think, is a pretty good conference. On par with the other five? Eh, probably not, but pretty good. And to go undefeated through that conference is impressive. And, and um, yeah, you know, I, I, again, if you want to make the case, and I'm not sure I want to make it, that the playoffs should be expanded, Central Florida is certainly a great, you know, example to make that case. They are hanging a national title banner. They are they taking are. a trip to Disneyland. I think that's kind of funny. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, uh, you know, it's it's a it's a thumb to the eye, basically, uh, of you know, college football. That we, you know, we're going to do it anyway. And you know what? More power to them. A lot yeah. of you go go back and look. Uh, you know, a lot of national championships in the 50s and 60s and 70s are simply because the school said, yep, we're national champions. So, hey, you know what? Go for it. Yeah. They're they're taking it back. And yeah. 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 I think it's kind of funny. You know, and I love that the AD is all in with it to the point of, you know, paying the coaches national championship bonuses. I think it's fantastic. Yeah. Um, well, let's let's go on and talk about the NFL playoffs. The... You know, as a as a Packer fan, I, I don't know what to do. I'm very confused. Yeah, uh, it's uh, for me. It's a it's kind of a strange year with the playoffs. I, I'm uh, you know struggling to come up with a team that I really want to see win. I guess I would pick Pittsburgh primarily because I think they're the chief you know blockade to the Patriots. If anybody's going to you know prevent the Patriots from winning the AFC, they seem to be the most likely. Um, but yeah, it's it's a it's an odd year for me because there's uh, you know there's there's none of my teams that I you know always root for. There's no more Peyton Manning as we discussed last year, but you know there's there's no Eli Manning, there's no Matt Stafford. Uh, I'm not quite sure where to go with this year. I mean, for me, the AC or uh, the AFC is the confusing one, right? Because yeah. you have the Steelers and the Patriots. Okay, you can plug that in; that's automatic. Sure. But the wild card round: Titans, Chiefs, 
Bills yeah. Jaguars. I mean, well, and, and I think honestly, I, I mean, I think you could make a case that the two teams who lost the wild card tiebreaker are the, maybe the third and fourth best team in the AFC. I would say the Chargers are the third best team in the AFC. They got off to an 0-4 start. Since then, they have been really good. And they would be a real tough out in the playoffs, but they didn't win the tiebreaker. And the same probably for the Ravens. Ravens maybe not as imposing, but just having some of the experience that they have, they'd be a little scary. The, the Titans and the Bills don't seem scary at all. Now it's great that they're in. It's a cool story for Buffalo, especially to get in after so long. But it really, you know, it feels like if this was the selection committee picking the teams instead of a tiebreaker, I think you'd pick the Chargers and the Ravens to get those spots. I think that's absolutely right. But it's exciting. This Bills-Jaguars game, two years ago, this was to decide who could be, like, the number one pick in the draft. Yeah, this, this was, uh, you know, the game that they put on streaming services from London in order to test it out, you know. Jaguar, it might have been, actually, the Jaguars and the Bills. It certainly felt like one. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, – and the Titans and Chiefs, let's be honest, it's hard to get that excited about that one, too. I mean, the Titans are, are a relatively boring team, even though they've got some star power with Mariota, Derrick Henry. They're not a very entertaining team to watch. And the Chiefs are the Chiefs. Uh, I mean, like, it, uh, just they're not that entertaining either. So it's uh, – I mean, let's say this. The fact that the Bills and the Jaguars are playing in the first round and they're not the Saturday afternoon wildcard game is stunning because that had Saturday afternoon written all over it. Yep. But instead, they get the, they get the Sunday morning time slot. They do. They do. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it will be uh, hopefully good games. And I, you know, I hate the, the argument of, oh, these teams are boring. And, you know, look, they earn their way into the playoffs. The Jags have a great defense. Um, but they're, for somebody like me, who's a, you know, just a fan of the NFL, doesn't really have a favorite team, but just kind of, you know, has people he roots for, teams he roots. It's hard to get that excited for those two. Um, the NFC games, on the other hand, though, I think are, are pretty good games. Oh, absolutely. So you've got the Falcons going to the Rams and the Panthers and the Saints. I think this Rams team could be real good. They could. They could, yeah. I mean, uh, it took you a while to come around on that. You know, you were picking them to go like two and fourteen preseason, if I recall. Yeah, well, I, I now have bought in. I, <laughs> I I think I think that if if you're going to do what they did, which is go with the young quarterback, go with the young yeah. coach, head coach, that the way they designed the rest of that coaching staff was about as picture perfect of a job yeah. as you can do. You just yeah. you know, you tell him Hey, you're just running the offense. We we made yeah. you the head coach, but don't worry about the defense. Right. Don't worry about right. the special teams. You just make sure the offense is good, and we'll put guys who know what they're doing in, on the defense. Boy, yeah, it worked. You know, it really did. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, very uh, impressive, and you know, certainly one of those that when you and we talked about it more in college, but you know, you talk about like, well, is it is a coaching change? The you know, magic elixir. You know, you say you're going to change coaches, have it. Well, this one, this one was, because this team had talent. You know, we've waited for years for the Rams to finally look like, you know, they could break through. And, boy, they made the coaching change, and it sure worked because things just feel so different without a lot of different personnel. Some differences, I mean, yeah, they, you know, they added Sammy Watkins and drafted Cooper Cup and some guys who've been good. But, you know, most of the key guys were guys who were there last year when the team went 4-12. I mean, so it shows you – it's an, the right coach can make a big difference. It's an indictment of Jeff Fisher. Oh, um, it is. And the way no that doubt. 
the way that Goff sort of exploded onto the scene yes. this year. Yes. You know, they and look, Goff got a horrible edit on Hard Knocks. He did. That he made did. him look like a guy who was just like not trying to learn the playbook, not that concerned about his role on the team, not yes. a leader. And I wonder now, did Fisher put him in a no win situation? And I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, you, you do wonder. You're right. Goff did not come out of that looking great. Um, you know, and and just I, you know, part of part of it with Goff, I think, is he kind of he has that sort of Eli Manning type demeanor. He's not a real fiery guy. He's not a he's not a guy who you know kind of barks at you. And, you know, the, the Baker Mayfield running up and down the sideline and gesturing. And he's more kind of a laid back. Yeah, you know, and and so it's easy to criticize. You know, when things aren't going well and they went terribly last year. Oh, this guy's over his head. He's a bust. Well, he got he got coached, and he looks a whole lot better now. Yeah. I also think one of the things that hurt Goff was how immediately successful Wentz was last season. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Yeah. You know, and now here, you know, too bad, unfortunately, that Wentz got hurt because could have been the NFC title game. Uh, would have been would have been fun to see them square off in the playoffs. Yeah, but Wentz is down. The Eagles are scrambling to rebuild Nick Foles' throwing mechanics, and I don't think that this is the time of year to do that. No, they look awfully vulnerable. They they uh, they appear to be much like the Raiders last year, except with a first round buy. And the Raiders, you know, would have had that first round buy until they lost the last game, and the Chiefs were right on their heels. The Eagles had a little bit more cushion, Um, but yeah, boy, they're the number one seed, but it doesn't feel like they're the number one seed i think uh i would i would rank them maybe five or six among teams most likely to get to the super bowl and maybe ahead of atlanta just because atlanta you know give them credit they won the games they had to but they never looked that impressive this year um every time you think they're going to turn it on they don't um uh, you know but the other teams in the nfc all look more legitimate to me than what the eagles do right now yeah i mean the falcons this feels just like the Super Bowl hangover year. It does. Um, it does. They, I mean, they got in, and and you know they they won the last game when they had to give them give them credit, but they just have never really clicked the way you kind of thought they might. Every every time they get a win, and you think, okay, this is the beginning, they're, they're going to start find that form. It's another step back. Now it'll be an interesting game because you're playing a Rams team that doesn't have much postseason experience. You know, we just talked about the quarterback, the running back. You know, a lot of the guys on defense, they've never been there before. The head Atlanta's coach. loaded with it. The head coach, yeah. You know, and Atlanta's loaded with it because they were in the Super Bowl last year. So, um, it'll be interesting. You know, that'll be an interesting contrast. But I favor the Rams in that game by a little bit. Wouldn't shock me if Atlanta won, but I think the Rams will. I think that it's going to be um, shock in the first weekend. I think it's going to be Chiefs-Rams, Saints-Jags. That's my picks, too. I, I mean, I, I think the Jags or the Chiefs could be beaten. And again, if the Chargers or the Ravens were playing them, I might pick an upset. But I don't feel great about the Titans or the Bills on the road in the playoffs. And yeah, I mean, I think the Saints are I think Saints are really good. And I think the Rams are better than the Falcons. Um, so I'm, yeah, I go all four home teams for this weekend. And then start to get away from that a little bit in the second weekend, I would say. I think that the Bills were trying to choke 
uh, and and they benched Tyrod Taylor and they did all these things. They they were yeah. trying to not make the playoffs again for some reason. Yeah, they, um, they survived the disastrous Nathan Peterman start and still got in the playoffs. Yeah, which makes uh, you know that they are the weirdest playoff story to me of they these are. teams. They are. Yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, very very strange season for them, up and down. Um, hard to believe that they did get in when it came down to it. They needed a. You know, Andy Dalton, fourth and 12, touchdown pass in Baltimore to get it done. And I'll be darned, he got it done. Um, you know, who would have expected it? But uh, Well, that's why know. that's why the Bengals don't make changes, because you can always count on right. Marvin Lewis and Andy Dalton right. to come through right. in the clutch. So I know, I, I know, and yeah, yeah, Andy Dalton finally wins a big game. It just comes for another team when it comes <laughs> down to it. But, uh, yeah, you know, it was, it was wild. Sure didn't expect that as that last drive was unfolding. I was watching it. Thinking, uh, yeah, I'm sure Andy Dalton's going to lead him down the field. Well, he did. Um, so, you know, good for Buffalo. I mean, really, I, you know, it's it's a cool thing. That's a fan base that is very loyal. They've been through a lot of terrible football the last 15, 20 years. Um, they haven't turned the corner, but it's nice to get them back in the playoffs at the very least. Uh, you know, I don't think they've found uh, a sustainable formula just yet. But, you know, getting them in the playoffs is a big thing for, you know, a franchise that hasn't been there for 18 years, I guess. I don't don't know that we should go through every round right now, but do you have a Super Bowl pick now? I do. I do. I would go with – I'm going to go Pittsburgh out of the AFC simply because I won't pick New England. Um, And – Torn on the NFC between the Saints and the Vikings, but I'm going to go with the Vikings. I think that defense is big time, and I think they're going to get the NFC title game at home, and that might be the difference. I, I mean, I'm going to go Patriots just because that's where that's where my head is right now. In the NFC, I, I don't know about you. I'm inclined to do something weird. I don't know how you're going to feel about this. But I'm gonna. I, I want to say Rams. I want to go complete yeah. reversal from my earlier okay. view and just say that it, it all just sort of magically clicks and it looks and, good. And um, it could. It could. I mean, they've got the offense to do it. Um, the defense has been kind of inconsistent, but you know they've got some really good players. Aaron Donald is one of the best in, in the league. Um, you know, I am. I'm just. I don't know. I've got them winning the first game, which would send them to Minnesota. And they just looked so overwhelmed in Minnesota earlier in the year. And and I'm not sure they can go there and win. That Minnesota defense is so, so good. And Case Keenum has found something that I didn't expect. And I thought it would disappear, but it hasn't. Uh, he's good enough. And so I'm, I'm going with them, I think. I, the way I think they get there is that the Panthers upset the Saints. And then the Panthers upset Minnesota. And and Cam just has two games where he just puts them on yeah. his back. Yeah. And from that, they get the third game at home. And they can the beat Carolina game. at home in the title They game. could. They could, yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, um, I don't know. I, I favor New Orleans over Carolina. They beat them twice this year. I feel like they kind of just have their number a little bit. Um, and I, I am tempted to pick New Orleans to win the NFC. They are well-rounded. Um, they play good defense, which is something they haven't done for a long time. Run the ball so well, and they've got a quarterback who's won a Super Bowl before. There is nobody else in the NFC who can say that. You know, Ryan and Newton have been there, but they haven't won it. Um, and so, 
I mean, I'm, I'm leaning Minnesota because of that home game, potentially um, having it, you know, for the NFC title game again, because I don't think Philly can, can win a playoff game. I just don't. I don't have confidence in them. I think New Orleans goes to Philly and wins, and then New Orleans goes to Minnesota, and we get a rematch of that 2009 epic with Brett Favre choking the game away in the last play. There was a while before I switched laptops on my laptop from law school where I had a, a page bookmarked of the Vikings radio call of the interception <laughs> where he throws the pick to yeah. Tracy Porter. And right. it is right. it is amazing. Um, yeah, I remember that call very well. You know, I, I just – I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's a, it's a good one, definitely. I, I remember it very well and, and reveled in it because uh, – I was not a far fan at the end. Um, always kind of liked the Saints because of my dad, you know, rooted for them. And that was a, a cool moment for my dad to get to see him go to the Super Bowl. Now, two weeks later, I wasn't quite as happy when they won and they beat the Colts, but uh, still happy for my dad to finally get to see that because talk about the Bills fans suffering a lot. Saints fans did too. Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, well, is that everything? I feel like we hit everything. I think so. I think so. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, you know, it's a, it's been a newsworthy few days, but yeah, I think we did. Well, good job by us, and good job by you all for sticking with us. Uh, happy 2018, everybody! Uh, again, congrats to Powell and uh, Pat. It was a good effort. Maybe let's <laughs> let's work on the pick'em next year. At least the re-ranking, like reordering your confidence levels. Yes, I, I did notice he did not actually rank by confidence, and that probably uh, hurt him a little bit. I think that was a problem for him. Uh, but Matt and I will be back. There's plenty more sports to go around. It's a it's a good time of year. Plus, it's really cold here, so all I'm really doing is watching TV right now. Yes. Uh, but until next time, he's Matt. I'm Ben. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. And now, fans, a bonus treat for all of you. Brett Favre goes back to pass. He pumps. Now he fires over the middle. Intercepted. I can't believe what I'm seeing right now. It was intercepted by Tracy Porter. Near side to the 40. And John Sullivan runs him down at the 47-yard line. You've got to be kidding me. I can't believe what I just saw. Looking at that play, he should have just held on to a call. He should have. He could have easily gotten five or six yards if he would have just pulled that thing down and dove forward. But why do you even ponder passing? I mean, you can take a knee and try a 56-yard field goal. This is not Detroit, man. This is the Super Bowl. Happy New Year.